0: The stories of Briscoe and Bradshaw. I would be Bradshaw. That would be your Chickasaw native, your Chickasaw Hall of Famer, Oklahoma's favorite and greatest son, Mister Gerald Briscoe. And we have got today the two greatest guests in the history of the world, the two greatest people in the history of the world. We've got each other. That's right. We are actually this Christmas season. Depends on where when you're watching it. Could be Easter. Doesn't matter. This is Evergreen. We're interviewing each other, so Mr. Briscoe, welcome to the Briscoe and Bradshaw show.
1: You know, John, it, it's a pleasure to be able to interview you. You know, you know, on, on our on our popular website, Swords with Briscoe and Bradshaw on Twitter. You know, there's always requests Well, you guys ought to talk to each other a little bit. You there's enough content there and enough history and everything. You know, between me and my brother, I I can fill a, a page or two and and with. With you're the longest reigning wrestling god in the history of SmackDown TV, man. We got a lot of stories, and plus your partnership with uh, Ron Simmons, which we'll get into, and how that how
0: that came about. Well, and, hey, but and, wait a minute, though. This is a big historic uh, month. This yeah. is 50 years, half 50. a century, to since this month. my brother, Jack Briscoe, did one of the craziest things I've heard in the history of professional wrestling. So, and it wasn't a screw job. No, 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 it was not a screw job. It may have screwed the NWA a little bit. but it was Well, a l-
1: little bit, but, you know, I mean, it, well, we'll get into some facts here, John, and it, it'll show you that my brother did not screw the NWA. I mean, you know, he fulfilled his obligation to the to the percentage of it. Which I'll get into it. So what well, how do you want to start this, man?
0: Well, I'd love to start with just your with the your thing about your brother, because I think okay. this is so interesting, and it's a story that's never really been told by you, I don't think. No,
1: it hadn't, and I don't think Jack told it. He, he mentioned it in his book a little bit, and uh but December fourth, nineteen seventy four to December eighth, I believe it. December eighth, nineteen eighty 1980, uh nineteen eighty four. And it's tweeted this y 2 k shit that got me confused. <laughs> But anyway, 50 years ago this month, and it just to set the scene a little bit, my brother hadn't been championed very long. He won the championship, as everybody knows, from Harley Race in Houston, Texas, when Bruce Pritchard and little Tommy Pritchard were at ringside taking pictures, uh, you know, documented for everybody. For some reason, a mysterious uh, thing happened. There wasn't any uh, filming of that of that title change. Up in the, just about every title change had been filmed. But you go back in archive, there are no, there's no footage of Jack defeating Harley for the for the World Heavyweight Championship. And everybody knows the controversy that, that happened there with the Funks, who play, by the way, a very integral role in this whole thing with Jack and and, and a Giant Bubba. So let's get into it. You know, Jack hadn't been champion long in 1974 when he he received a call from Terry Funk, his own nemesis, Terry Funk. Terry said, Jack, as you know, Dory and I are booking for Diet Bubba over in Japan now. We have to book uh, we have the book over there, we control it. Baba wants to make you a deal. Baba wants to be world heavyweight champion. Jack said, Terry, everybody wants to be world heavyweight champion, you know, and, and just kind of set the table a bit. Jack, Jack loved the people of Japan. He loved the food of Japan. He loved the traditions of Japan, but he hated going over there. And John, as you know, you made that trip many times. It's 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 it, it's a it's a hell of a long trip, and so so uh, Jack, you know, he said, uh, you know, I, I, it's not on the schedule, and I can't do it. And Terry, being Terry and Dory, you know, having the power and, and friendship with Sam much who was president of NWA, said, well, we called Sam, and uh, we're just asking for future dates. Uh, you know, for Amarella and uh, and see what you had open. We know you have you have that December date wide open. You can basically do what you want to do if you if you want to book uh, book over. There. And Jack Jack started thinking, well, maybe this is my chance. You know, so Jack said, I tell you what, Terry, yeah, make, make what what's your offer? I know you guys have got an offer for me. So uh, Terry made him an offer, and <laughs> John. Jack said that was one of the biggest insults that Terry ever gave him. And Terry and Jack were really, really tight. It was five grand. Jack said, wait a minute, Terry, you want, you want me to go all the way to Japan on my week off, drop the belt and pick it back up at the end, end of the week and have to work in between there? I don't want to do it for, for that. He said, number one, he said, I had to post $25,000 bond to get the belt. I carried the money to much myself. And there's a great story about that. Did I ever tell you of uh, missing $5,000? No. Okay. Well, so, you know, to get to the NWA World Heavyweight Championship, you had to make a deposit for $25, the belt $25,000. The champion be, did. The champion did. Or whoever was sponsoring the championship. Eddie Graham was sponsoring Jack. So Eddie called me. And Jack wasn't booked in St. Louis, and I was booked up in St. Louis so. Eddie called me. He said, uh, "Come over to my house. You're you're booked in St. Louis Friday." He said, "I want to give you the bundle to take to Sam Muncy." I said, "The bundle?" He said, "Yeah. You know your 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 brother's got to put a twenty five thousand dollar deposit down, and I'm helping him with the deposit, and I got the cash here in my house. Come and get it." Holy shit! I don't want twenty five thousand dollars in my pocket. So, so I go. Go over to Eddie Graham. We of course count it all out. It's a hundred dollar bills and the old Halliburton, you know, the old Roster Halliburton, every wrestler back in those days. They had, had over there Halliburtons. Yeah. It's all you know, bundled up neatly and everything. We counted out twenty five thousand dollars. So we start bullshitting a little bit about what's going to happen, you know, with with Jack and everything, and with the title and and actually what it what it could even mean to me and mean to mean to Florida, you know, as a territory. So we had a great conversation. I probably excused myself to go to the bathroom, come back, I folded up the briefcase, and I went, and the TSA had just started. It wasn't like it is, of course, today. So, you know, I'm carrying that, carrying that bundle of money around, you know? And, and so I go through there, man, I'm scared to death. I got this briefcase, full $100 bills. I'm an old country boy from Oklahoma. I never had that much money in my possession ever, you know? So uh, we make it through, and Sam meets me in St. Louis. We go to Sam's office. All right, kid, let's count it out. So he opens up the Halliburton. He kept the Halliburton, by the way, too. <laughs> <laughs> so yeah, I don't want to carry it back anyway, but he kept the Halliburton. So we counted it out. Sam's got a couple of bundles. I got a couple of bundles. He counts out 10 grand. I count out 10 grand, 20 grand. There's $5,000 missing. John, there's five thousand dollars missing out of that. And I think, well, I know I've never had that money out of my sight since I since I gained possession of it. So what, what the, I don't have five grand. Sam, Sam's being hard at word. the other five grand words. I don't know if this will work between Sam and Eddie or not, but I'm getting I'm getting the third degree by Sam and man. I'm I'm sweating because I you know, I'm best being called a thief on this thing. So I pick up Sam's phone, I call Eddie Graham. I said, Eddie, there seems to be a problem here. He said, What kind of problem, Briscoe? And I said, Eddie, there's only $20,000. Well, I gave you $25,000. I said, I know you did, Eddie. I counted it out with you, but I've counted it out 15 times here with Sam, and there's 20 grand or five grand missing. Well, let me go over my desk and see if I can see what what happened, because I've not been in my office since then. Here he goes. I hear this rumbling around. And I, oh, yeah, I hear this. Yeah, he—he, he, I found it. It some somehow slipped between the desk and my and my easy chair, and I didn't see it. Sure, five <laughs> grand, five grand. Yeah. <laughs> so, uh, so I said, "Well, you tell Sam you're responsible for that five grand, so I can I can get my piece of mind back." So, uh, so he, he, I put the phone on, and Sam, him, and Sam. Okay, okay, okay everything's cool so he said okay you go get dressed now so i went to the arena and i went i went and got got dressed but boy what a nervous time but anyway jack is well wait a
0: minute wait a minute what did, was eddie trying to pull a fast one on you why was the fast? one? Like i you. i don't really know john that's
1: i never had i had when i got back to florida of course i asked anyway anyway he said Always oh, counting it out, and I was just throwing it back in the briefcase. And so when I tossed it in the briefcase, it probably fell out, fell in between my chair and my desk. Yeah, sure. I've never, had never 5
0: grand fall out.
1: I've right. never had five grand. They're in a bundle like that, you know. <laughs> but I don't, I you know, I I don't, I like I said in the beginning, I don't know if it'll work on me, you know, trying to. But I, I folded, man. I went, I would fold it under pressure, man. I didn't have five grand to my name at that time. I'm just mad. I, I want to work St. Louis. Work, work there for the rest of the year, and not, and not, not have make any money out of it, you know. So, so anyway, so Terry Jackets uh, telling Terry, Terry, as you know, you got to put up twenty five thousand dollars. Do so I'm gonna risk putting up twenty five thousand dollars for five grand. It don't make sense. And Jack said, uh, uh, you know, I, I, I don't want to do it. Because like I said, Jack really didn't want to go because as you know that time the NWA champions schedule was just, you know, horrendous. one of the worst schedules there was in the history of man. So uh so uh uh, uh Jack said, Dora, unless you come up with a better offer, call uh, uh you know, it, it it's off. So uh, good night. So about two days later, uh 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 terry called jack back and during, during that two days jack had concocted this little formula that that he could he could really make some money with so he came up with and i i didn't figure that, so i'm gonna have to go to my cheat sheet here so it's something like all right I, i'll drop the title for 10k yeah that's no problem but i gotta be there a week so during that week i get 10k a per match that week per match like, per match that week. And I also get like five grand uh, expenses per day that week. Oh my
0: goodness.
1: And it's, it'll uh, be an all cash. And I want it when I get out of the plane, cause if I don't, if, if it's not there at the airport in cash, I'm getting on the next plane. And we know how long the stack is when he says he's getting on the next plane and headed home and I'm headed home and uh, screw you. And so, the total amount that Jack figured up gave to nineteen seventy-four figures around two hundred and fifty thousand dollars, which you owed. Oh offered. my goodness. Yeah, with all that cash. In nineteen seventy-four. In nineteen seventy-four. <laughs> so so Jack report. wanted two hundred
0: and fifty thousand dollars when he landed at the airport.
1: Yeah, yeah I had cash.
0: You know so the, Jack... one of the problems with that, Jerry, is you gotta now you gotta deal with two hundred and fifty thousand dollars the rest of the week.
1: Yeah, yeah. Well, here, there here. and and not only that, when you come home, you know is that you couldn't bring more than like ten thousand right. dollars cash when you came home. But like I said before, a TSA wasn't like it is now, where they'll you frisky know, and all that shit. So, so anyway, he got there. Jack, uh, Jack said there was a there, was a, there was a, another briefcase loaded full of hundred dollar bills. So Jack goes in one of the little little private airlines offices in there. He counts out the money. Well, then, then he he brought a roll of tape with him, and he taped it, taped the entire briefcase up with the tape, and he's signing his name along the seams, and you know, doing this so he knows if anybody's opened it up during the week that that, that they, they've got to him. So he took it, carried it, put it in a hotel safe. So it right? stayed in the hotel safe for a week. So, <laughs> and and so uh, he went. And he had the match. And you know, of course, he did business with with Bob, and he said, by everybody, everybody said, uh, you know, you know, he said he wasn't worried about giant Bob at all. He said Bob was really and full of integrity. He said, you know, I didn't have to worry about that that part of of, of getting screwed by Baba because Baba had too much integrity and had too much of a stake reputation. Wise, he said, but some of the Jabronis that was hanging around from the so called. The koozies, the koozies or whatever the hell they are, you know, or, and those, those, those type of people. He said, but, and also, uh, I was there for a couple of days, and, and uh, Pat O'Connor was there, and Ken Mantell was there also, to kind of uh, be a jack's corner, you know, and just in case somebody was trying to jump in the ring, you know, uh, one of us could couldn't could help take him back.
0: So Jack brought those guys. That was that was standard procedure, right?
1: Well that that was that was part of, that was part of Sam's deal. That was kinda of, kinda of, yeah when there's you know he always had backup there and something like that after. So uh where were we here? So if they have the match and everything goes accordingly. Jack drops the uh, drops the title Baba, Baba's champion. Next night, you know, Jack's working classic Freddy He works a couple other matches. I think I even met the tag team that would be cool. The night I think he was dropping it back to uh, our bubbles, supposed to dropping it back to uh, Jack was either in Hiroshima or, 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 and which
0: Tokyo. building and where? In,
1: uh, Tokyo. Oh, Budokan. Budokan. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> drop, drop it back. One of those places. I can't remember exactly what it was. So, so anyway, it went and, uh, it was a brutally cold night, and back in those days, the building didn't have heating or air conditioning. It was just brutally cold. And so Jack was working with Bob, and right before the finish, he was supposed to come. Jack nearly got knocked out. He getting no title back. Now, now they'd have to go back to the safe without a title. You know, Deadly, Bob, he, uh, Bob threw him in. Bob had that big-ass elbow that he used to Anybody walked the and knew that damn elbow was nothing but bone there. He had no flesh. He hit Jack. He hit Jack right here where his chin, he actually bit through his his entire lip. His lip was kind of hanging off. And so Jack was scared to death of the Japanese doctors, you know. He did not want to go to a Japanese doctor. So he, he got a roll of tape, and they butterflied it. Butterfly that shot, you know, so he could he could travel and then his mouth rolled up like that, and and he, you know, like I said, you can't. You, now he got to worry about the fact of getting all that damn money back. Well, I'm carrying a bunch of money. I got money taped to my ass. I got money taped to to my waist. Everything. Jack got money taped under his armpits, taped around his chest. Got big old gym suit top on. So you
0: guys have got a quarter of a million dollars. Quarter of a cro- million dollars. Walking
1: through, yeah, nineteen seventy. Walking through the damn airports and walking through, and talking uh, through a wire. Soon we get to Hawaii, We go to a bathroom, find one of those old bathrooms we can lock. You know, just uh, we take off all that money, and put it in a big old bag. We're home. You know, we're home free. <laughs> So, anyway, there's where the story gets really good get cool. You're talking about screwing the NWA. So, all this time. Now, said, uh,
0: first, wait a minute. While you were there in Japan, were you guys ever concerned? I know you said Jack wasn't about Baba double crossing you and keeping the title. You guys ever concerned at all about that? No, no,
1: Jack said Baba had too much integrity. You know, Jack and Jack had a pretty good friendship with Baba and had a lot of respect and a lot, a lot, you know, the Japanese people they have integrity, but like I said. It's not exactly Baba or your your opponent that, as as we find out in all these screw jobs, we're covered down the line somewhere. That you know, it's the other people involved in that. You know, but uh, and
0: and like Pat, Jack, Jack,
1: Jack, Jack swore that Baba would never make make a day with
0: with that title if they tried to screw it you know. so and pat o'connor i mean that was kind of standard you know of, yeah people you know harley traveled with some people overseas yeah, you know, yeah exactly make sure yeah. make sure nobody double make, them, make right? sure there's
1: nobody jumping in nobody double crossing now yeah, it's kind of standard procedure Harley had his guys you know and the had. that's pretty other. salty
0: uh business when you got to send somebody along with you
1: Yeah, well, you know, our businesses can get
0: salty at (laughs) times. That's
1: what makes it so great, man. That's
0: the reason we love it so much. So now you're coming back and you guys are loaded. I mean, absolutely loaded. got money taped all over you, then then you get it all all off. Got money coming out the armpits, man. Uh, and, and then so what happens when you get back and the NW, nwa finds out about because the nwa didn't know any about any of this right oh well, yeah the
1: nwa jack cleared it all he said i'm gonna go over and drop it and i'm getting it back and that's oh sam he did was, see I, yeah, I, yeah 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 and sam all oh, sam was worried about getting his damn three percent you know the nwa getting
0: it oh 3%. see I, I didn't understand that part because yeah. i i'd always heard that jack just did it
1: no uh, jack made the deal before he 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 told Sam and then what's Sam gonna do? You know, they take they can't take the belt off him right right then, you know. So Jack Jack had already made the deal. So so anyway they get back and Sam, you know, Sam meets Jack at the airport, which all the time Jack was champion. Jack said Sam never met him at the airport for anything. Gave him a ride back to the to the to the office and everything. And Jack Sam said, All right, give him my three grand. So Jack gave him the three grand. And Sam counted out and there's something like $3,000 there, uh, whatever, 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 3% of it's 10 grand. $7,500. $7,500 there. No, 3% of 10 grand.
0: Oh, 3% of 10 grand.
1: Yeah, that's what he did. To, that's what he dropped the match for as champion. Say, oh, that's all. Getting, this is where it gets technical. Yeah.
0: That's only 300 bucks.
1: Yeah. So he gave it to Sam said, Jack, where's the rest of the money? Jack said, Sam, the champion pays you 3% when he's champion. I dropped it. From there on out, I wasn't your champion no more. I was an independent guy. I was working for myself. I did the bookies, I did the sweat, I did the butts of my lip open. So all that money is my money, and that's where all the, the discrepancy comes from. Sam thought he was getting three percent of two hundred fifty thousand know? dollars. Well, so Sam
0: thinks he's getting seventy five hundred, and he got three hundred.
1: They got three hundred, and Jack said, "Okay, Sam." You want it, He said, "Baba was a champion during that time. Baba actually owes you the money, not me, because it, the champion owes you the money, not 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 the ex-champion."
0: <laughs> well, are you were on the tour with him, right? I'm on the Japanese tour with him. Yeah. So. Did, did they make by paying Jack two hundred and fifty thousand dollars? Did they make that money back in the tour, or was that just an ego trip? Well, from Baba? well it
1: was an ego trip. here's the deal: you know, Anoki had just split from Baba, right? So yeah. Baba's needing a kick in the ass. So not a Japanese had never been heavyweight NWA heavyweight world champion. Baba is going to be the first first at NWA heavyweight world champion. They kind of give his company the kick in the ass to taking the limelight away from Anoki. So all that that was the that was the investment that Baba was making. So Baba's
0: putting down a huge chip on the table to get yeah. that NWA title for him, for him, to, for his
1: company to give his company credibility.
0: And, and he lost probably, money, as far as the gate was concerned, yeah. but overall, it was for business.
1: Yeah, yeah, yeah. And, and and they were, I mean, they were packing every house too. You know, especially after Baba won that championship. You know, they're coming in first time ever Japanese World Championship. They did I, if they lost, I don't think they lost a much, but it was more the integrity stuff giving Baba's company the boost over Enoki's boost, because Enoki didn't have the title giant. Baba had the title. So that was that was a big political battle.
0: So it I think it was done mostly for political thing. Was it reported in the States that the title had switched?
1: Uh, you know, back in the nineteen eighties professional wrestling meant shit. You know, <laughs> and unfortunately, no. I mean, you know, the magazines, you know, of course. And, you know, even back in those days, the Japanese magazines were saying for USA guys to go over and be in the Japanese magazine. <laughs> so of course they covered it, and that was the thing that that footage of Baba beating Jack had been shown, you know, probably a billion times over and over over in Japan. I mean,
0: yeah, you know,
1: they both legendary for that match there. So, so anyway, oh, in the so states,
0: in the states, though, it wasn't reported.
1: Yeah, uh, no, in the states it was reported by the the after mag, yeah, but it was. Re- it wasn't reported like on CNN or like ESPN, like they are now, you know, when something big happens in our business. So that, but that it, was.
2: That but was it, happened,
1: it happened so quick, too, Mighty, because those magazines are put out a month in advance, right? Usually a month, a month or two in advance. So it happened, you know, it, it couldn't it could be in there that night, you know, day Jack Briscoe went, dropped the belt to Giant Bubba. So it was delayed. It was what we called our business tape delayed a little bit. Yeah. before They could get the news in there about it. By then, it was old history. Nobody really gave a shit. You know? mm-hmm. <laughs> so Munchnik, what did he uh So, <laughs> so Munchnik, my oh, no, Munchnik was calling Jack. And, and finally, you'll love this here. So, okay. Uh, so. The next week after Jack left St. Louis, Dory called Jack and said, Jack, uh, Sam called me. Sam felt like he really betrayed him in the NWA by not giving him all the money. And you should give him some more money. And Jack said, Dory, you and Terry are the bookers of it. You guys made a lot of money off of this thing, too. Why don't you guys take that percentage that Boba was supposed to pay and pay him his 3%? And then everything will be clear. Of course, Defuncts never paid Sam either. You know? So Sam was ended up the loser on the thing. But you know, but you know, Jack followed the rules. Your yeah, champion pays three percent. When you're ex-champion, you don't pay that three percent. So Jack paid three percent right up the time he was champion. And after that, you know Metal banker.
0: That is so good.
1: <laughs> that
0: town went down, brother. <laughs> that is great. What a great story. You know, I heard so many legendary things about this story that it was Sam was not in on it. Sam didn't know that Jack just did it. That, this is yeah. completely different. Yeah, yeah. It's funny yeah. how the truth sometimes is completely different.
1: Yeah, it, it certainly is. And speaking about the truth, John, you know, I, I, you're in several football hall of fames in West Texas. There, you know, you grew up being a great athlete. You know how I like to start our, our interviews. I like to find out about, you know, growing up. You know, your your love for the sport because I know your passion personally for for the sport of professional. When did that When did that passion begin? And tell us a little bit about that John Layfield running a football field that eventually ended up uh, getting him drafted and, and the basketball, the hoop hoop John Layfield and, and, and the track and field John Layfield. Tell us a little bit about your background. The track
0: and field, nobody's ever heard, but so I'll be happy <laughs> to tell that. I, I, yeah, I, uh, yeah, that's why I, I want threw to. threw your hammer far enough to make it the Nationals, but my knee gave out to me. That's when I had knee right. surgery in college. Yeah. So I never. That was, that was your first did.
1: knee surgery, right? Yeah, that was my first. How, how, how far did you throw it, John?
0: 180, I believe. 180. I one, what was it? 185. You I qualified. One, I started between 180 and 200, I believe. Yeah. And I believe you had to throw it 175, I believe, to make it to Nationals. So yeah. I, had, I had the ability to make it. Now that was not close to the world record, you know. The Russians, well,
1: well, well, what was the world record? At
0: the I don't time? remember at the time, oh, but oh. it was it was in the, 200s. the oh, Russians, hey, two hundreds. The two
1: hundred five rings a bell there for
0: some. The time. Russians had the world record, oh, and and oh. it was way way out there, way beyond anything oh. Americans could do. Oh. Way way beyond. It wasn't even close. Oh, wow! So but you, I, you, know, you
1: what, what? were you ranked in the in the nation? U.S. Were you number one? Uh, Hammer
0: throwing in the nation. No, 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 no. Cliff, there was a guy in Abilene Christian that was great. Cliff Falcons uh, was an All-American hammer thrower, discus. Or I'll be discus, too. He was much better than me. I, he talked me into coming out, and I was throwing in practice that distance that would take me to the Nationals, but my knee couldn't take the spinning. You know, you spin yeah. you know, with your with your left leg straight, yeah. and that was the – I couldn't take – that was the one I had the knee surgery on, so and I, I couldn't take the spinning. Finally, I just had to quit trying. But uh, Cliff was – he was an All-American. He threw it much further than I ever did. Yeah, but right. I threw far enough – I threw far enough leading up to it that I could have made it to yeah. – I could have made right. it to Nationals. Wow.
1: And, and you, you come from a very athletic family. Your sisters were, were pretty fair athletes. She won, wasn't yeah. a great coach. I'll tell us a little bit about your Yeah, sister. my
0: older sister, Sylvia – I have only I have one sister, Sylvia. She was a all-state tennis player, doubles champion at Sweetwater, Texas. And then she ended up coaching – uh, later in life, uh, she didn't start out coaching. Uh, she was a good college tennis player. She was Texas Coach of the Year.
1: How many think- state champions in a row did she win? Seven or something like that.
0: Yeah, she had. I believe one year she had three out of five. So you had five tennis mat- trophies that you can win gold mm-hmm. medals. You know, yeah. from uh, singles, male and female, doubles, yeah. male and female, and then mixed. So yeah. five total, and I think she won three. She won three in place and placed in fourth one. She's a smart. Dominant.
1: She's the she's the smart Layfield, right?
0: She's a she's a smart one. Yeah, she. No doubt she, about it.
1: Okay, no doubt about it. She moved to Oklahoma, right?
0: No, she didn't. Her Who kids are in Oklahoma. Okay, or, well, one her, of her one of her kids. Well, that,
1: that you know, the, the apple fell off the off the tree real close. I'm tree. trying to
0: talk her daughter Leanne into. Her, she's married a, a wonderful young man named Connor, Once you
1: bring that Oklahoma area, you never go back that that old. Who uh,
0: that happens it. to be an Okie. <laughs> <laughs> I'm trying to get them south of the Red River. Yeah, bring them into paradise.
1: Yeah. So, so you when you finished up high school, you had scholarship offers, but you want to stay around home. What, what's that story there? Yeah, in
0: 1976, I went to watch. I used to watch all Abilene Christian's home games. My whole family went there. It's right near Sweetwater. And I'll go over there because Wilbur Montgomery was going to break the collegiate rushing record. Maybe Miguel Sayers, I can't remember whose record it broke. He broke one of the collegiate rushing records. Yeah. Everybody wanted to see it because Wilbur was so good. And you can imagine Wilbur Montgomery in Division 2 It was, wow. I mean, it was yeah. incredible. And I went over there to watch on homecoming. And sure enough, he broke the record. But Ovo Johansson, a Swedish soccer player, was kicking uh, extra points and field goals, kicked a 69 yard field goal that wow. day. Longest. Wow. To this day, that's ever been kicked. And I was wow. there with my cousin in the end zone, and I just remember thinking that was the greatest football experience of my life. I see Will Montgomery break the collegiate rushing record. I yeah. see Obi Hansen kick the longest field goal that ever been kicked. Yeah. And I, I thought, man, I want to go to college here. So yeah. that's you know, and plus I had a lot of family pressure to go there. I'm glad I went right. there, but yeah. football-wise, it's been smarter to go to Texas or Nebraska or not Oklahoma, but Texas or Nebraska.
1: Did you, have, did you have any fillers from Oklahoma this yeah, year? Yeah, you know, I was. I was Oklahoma, Oklahoma State or just uh, the dreaded the red? No, red from field. Oklahoma.
0: <laughs> yeah, that, that place in Norman. Uh-huh. <laughs> yeah, that somehow got through customs to get to my house. <laughs> yeah, I was, you know, I was forced. I was all state in high school. Okay. And then they had, at that point, they had all Texas super team, which was all the classifications together. Yeah. So they took one team out of all five at the time, five classifications, and made one super team. And I, I was all super team as well. And later, I know, I, I know was,
1: there was an all bow team where you're on that all bow with the uh, Texas, and that's a great high school game too. They don't get a lot of publicity. No, nope, I did not play an all bow. I, I,
0: I did, don't, you, did they have it at that time? I don't remember, remember if they did. I remember the all bow. I don't. I don't think they did because I, I, I don't remember.
1: Now, Jack always said that was one of his biggest disappointments. Here he was, an All-State football player, played All-State game three-time uh, uh, state champion, a high-jump uh, champion, all that stuff. But he did not get selected to play that. Uh, All-ball, because they only took guys who had signed college football scholarship and Jack had signed a, 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 a wrestling scholarship.
2: So yeah.
1: He didn't get selected to the All-ball. The he said, that's been my biggest disappointment. He want to go down, kick some Texas ass, he said. <laughs> So, okay, when did your love for the good old uh, professional wrestling start to bite?
0: Oh, when I was a kid. I, my grandfather, who I love very much, was uh, my mother's dad, was a, a big wrestling fan. And I used to watch wrestling every Saturday night with him, okay, TVT. I think it's Channel 11, I think. Uh, it came on at 10 o'clock at night, went to 1130, and always cut off, you know, as the main event got in. You'd watch like yeah. minutes of it, and then it cut off. You know, I couldn't figure out every week why I couldn't get the Why, fight. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> But we used to talk about Fritz and uh Brody and, and all the guys that came through. And then I remember when yeah. Kevin debuted, David. Were, were,
1: he, were the, the hills your favorite back then?
0: No, Fritz was. Fritz was. Fritz, Fritz was, was yeah. ever everybody in Texas loved Fritz. You know, and everybody in Texas loved the Funks out of Amarillo. Because we got yeah. both TVs. We we're right yeah. in the distance, you know, right, right. where the TVs barely overlapped. Uh, uh, so no, no, Fritz was the big guy by uh, far. By far. And uh, the Funks. And yeah. I just I just enjoyed watching it with my grandfather. I, I loved it. I, and then but then football got so big, you know, when you're in West Texas, that's all there is. Ooh, that's all
1: there is. I mean, yeah. We had
0: football and spring football, as they say. That's the yeah. two sports. Yeah, that's
1: that's one thing about you know, playing in, a, in, a, in an area that's so uh gone about that, you draw those big huge crowds and, and same with wrestling in Oklahoma. So when you went when you went i mean other than being nervous on the fact you met you weren't ever intimidated by crowds right because oh no already, of, from I a think, young from a young age you you'd been in front of a lot of people
0: we played in texas stadium in, in the the old texas stadium wow. with the hole in the roof in in high school and there was like 50,000 people there yeah
1: i, I mean, mean that was in
0: high school you know we wow. used to have I don't know seven eight thousand at home games. Our our whole town was only ten thousand.
1: Yeah. yeah, although Friday Night Lights uh, story that yeah, everybody exactly. came out for
0: the game. <laughs> yeah. That was the that yeah. was all. There wasn't anything to do. Yeah, you know there was football. That was it. They didn't have baseball because they didn't want the kids playing baseball instead of spring football. Yeah. If you ran track, you still had to go through spring. Yeah. F- yeah, and if you played basketball, they'd cancel the basketball season all the way up until when the playoffs and football were over because uh, <laughs> all the kids we didn't have any we didn't have any kids we had just enough to you know play football or basketball not both uh, wow yeah that's the
1: same thing same uh, where I, my school that i grew up you know basketball we had one one year we, we got lucky and we made it to state playoffs and you know there were not wasn't there enough guys to suit up for the basketball all the rest <laughs> that's good yeah so we started
0: i remember my senior year in basketball we started <laughs> Like a game before district started, so everybody else had already played fifteen games yeah, or something. We yeah, had, we played one because yeah. all the kids that that were on the basketball team were on the football team. I remember the most brutal match I, I can remember having is, is
1: we played in the state finals. Now there was a big blizzard in Oklahoma. We were, supposed, we we're supposed to play on Friday night. We played it on a Saturday night. So that Tuesday there was a wrestling match. Us and Tulsa Rogers. Rogers was one of the powerhouse teams. You know that. Historically, powerhouse always had a lot of big guys, but they didn't make the football playoffs. So, I I couldn't I couldn't drop, make my weight, so I wrestled heavyweight that night, and I wrestled this big old strong country old old strong, strong country boy. Man, I got out there and I stalled, John. I stalled. I I locked my hands back there. You could just grab a leg and hang on. That last period, two minutes, I hung on that leg. My my arms, my forearms are getting cramped. When the referee blew the whistle, I could not have of cast of my hand. The referee had to take twist my hands off, and I hadn't. I looked like Papa the Sailor Man. i died held on, so long. <laughs> but man, you know, you're just not in that wrestling shape. You're probably safe for basketball, you run running up and down that depth. Different... Oh, it, it's, it's, a
0: different, it's a different type of shape, right? Oh, my goodness. Because we, we used to play La was the big basketball team, and they were really good. They had some brothers, I remember in high school, I can't remember their names. They went on to play, had a good college career. I don't think they made pro, but they were really good but all they played was basketball so we went down to play them <laughs> they they ran us out of the gym you know, we're not shape we yeah. better just come out of football you know we just come out of yeah. football season all of a sudden we got to play these guys that are really good basketball players and we probably had as good a team uh even though they had better talent yeah. specific talent those two brothers but they just ran us out of the gym yeah you know we we were so we we're sucking for air and they knew that we just got out of football so they had all they're doing is pressing us, running, f- running, shoot, running, shoot, running, and shoot, and they, they they killed us.
1: Well, that's it. Uh, the next, uh, go ahead, it's your turn. <laughs> I, <laughs> I, I
0: guess I guess that's the way we're supposed to segue these things. Huh? <laughs> I I guess, yeah, yeah. You know, I tell you, I tell you a, a, a funny story about college. Uh, when I was in college, we had a. Well,
1: I was I was, was going to get to that, but go ahead. Oh, I'm sorry. I was, that was just your high school. I wanted to. I wanted to oh, okay. That well, there. No, let's go. To that. Let's, let's follow it through there. I'm bad host here. No, you're not.
0: We're See that, to- that?
1: That's what happens when I let you host the show all the time. I lose my manners here. So go ahead. <laughs> all right, you're, you're you're John Lakefield. You're out of high school. You got the offer to You decide to go through home because you you. You, Wilbert Montgomery, those don't know, Wilbert Montgomery turned out to be one of the greatest NFL running backs too, of all time. That's, that's yeah, awesome. with the Philadelphia Eagles. Yeah, with the Eagles. So tell us a little bit about the, where you're going there.
0: Yeah, so I'll tell you the story about my, my junior year. So uh, I, I, I started all four years. Uh, my first year, Pierce Holt, who ended up being all pro, the San Francisco 49ers, was at, was at San Angelo State. Just a mistake. He he double teamed and he knocks on me and breaks my leg straight back. I mean, literally, it it broke he hit the kneecap and broke it straight back. They were double teaming because he was such a stud. He actually called me in the hospital, which imagine how hard Wait, they,
1: wait, wait a minute. You said they double teaming you because you were such a
0: stud. No, 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 they're double teaming Pierce Holt because he was oh, okay. it wasn't me. It was Pierce Holt. he was, he was a grown man. I yeah. just wanted to get that clear. There. No, no, no. <laughs> And he he actually found a number somehow and called me in the hospital. You know, I broke my I broke my femur and tore all the ligaments that crossed the knee it told me I'd never play again. And uh, anyway, I ended up playing the next year and started the next year. Anyway, my third year, I ended up making second team All American, but in uh, and first team all conference. And I'm preseason all American going in my senior year when I end up doing really well. Well, the athletic director at Abilene Christian hated athletics. <laughs> So he comes in. We had a we had a basketball we had a basketball team that had like a three year home game winning streak. He fired the coach. We had a track coach that won eight or nine straight national championships. He fired the coach. He told our coach quit recruiting these JUCO boys. They're not the good Christian kids he wanted. So our football team is going down, down, down. He hated me. I was an absolute rebel. He had gotten rid of my buddies who were older than me. So I'm like the last dinosaur left. So I'd got caught uh, drinking as a junior, which was against the rules. So I'm under, I'm under all kinds of trouble, all kinds of trouble. Then I go, I, the coach, because our team was so bad, said we're going to do bull in the ring to make kids tough. And my whole thing was if they're not tough when they get here, we can't <laughs> make them tough. You know what said? So anyway, I go out there every day and this bull in the ring, throw somebody out of the ring and somebody else to get in there. So I had some freshmen ask me, said, how do you think you would do against a bear? And I said, Oh, I kill a bear. <laughs> you know, i, I I'm 19, 20 years old, 20, yeah. 20, whatever I am, you know, 300 pounds. Did you
1: have the mullet then?
0: I, it was a bi-level cut. It's oh, you didn't have a Michael yeah. Hayes bi-level cut. <laughs> yeah, and I remember Paul Bear Bryant wrestled a 300-pound bear. I thought, it would be great to wrestle a bear. So I forget <laughs> all about it. Anyway, about a month later, these freshmen say, hey, the bear's here. I said, what bear? <laughs> you said you'd wrestle a bear. And I said, what are you talking about? And they go, well, there's a bear. So I they'd signed <laughs> sign me up to wrestle this bear. So at, the at, car, at the carnival? No, at a bar. At a bar? <laughs> yeah, there was a cowboy bar, Butterfield Junction, across town that this bear was at. So me and my college roommates, the ones that had uh, had, were, had quit playing football but was still finishing up their degree, went over there to wrestle this bear. So I wrestled this bear, and this bear just damn near kills me. I mean, just annihilate. <laughs> so it had a, a long story. Bear almost killed me. So the next day my head coach calls me and John Payne, who's a really good man. I loved him. him. And he said, Hey, John, I got to ask you a question. And this is like early in the morning. And I said, yes, sir. He said, did you wrestle a bear in a bar last night? I said, you know how dumb that sounds? He looked at me, he goes, you did, didn't you? And I said, I said, uh, maybe he goes, listen to me. The athletic director is furious at you. And I'm already in trouble for getting caught drinking, even though I was of age, you know, back then uh but different strict rules of abilene christian he goes he wants to kick you out of school wow. he said, do you have a plausible explanation and i'm sitting there thinking every time i've gotten caught i've told the truth i'm gonna lie i know <laughs> gonna lie. so i walk into his office and this guy who's ruined acu sports and he's sitting there and you can tell he's just smug as he can be he goes you wrestle a bear at a bar. I said, you know how dumb that sounds. Russell a bear at a bar. I said, really? <laughs> he said, so your answer is no. And now I think he's got me somehow. I don't know how, but he's got me. And I sat there and looked at it. I thought, you know, if I tell the truth, I'm gone. If I lie, I got a chance. So I said, right. I did not <laughs> wrestle a bear. So somebody had been to the one hour photo. And it's oh, taking no. pictures and had left them in the training room. He had pictures. No. Back in 1987 or 8, whatever it was, he had pictures of me, Russell Bear. Oh. And he throws them down on the table. He goes, What are those? And I said, Oh, you said Bear. <laughs> <laughs> Bob Shipley, who's one of my dear friends, he's my offensive oh, yeah. line coach. He's told that joke forever. Oh, you said bear. He, he just ended up being the main recruiter at University yeah, of Texas. I thought you said
1: bear. Oh my God, Bob!
0: Bob's the best guy. I love Bob, uh, but Bob loves to tell that story. Oh, you said bear. Oh, he threw the book at me, so I had to. I had as a preseason All American. I was on the cover of the, the programs. I was on the homecoming program. Wow. All this stuff. I had to walk on as a senior. So they took my scholarship and back then they didn't have the transfer portal. Yeah. Yeah. So you, I couldn't transfer I you were stuck, Yeah, And yeah, it was, it was, I had to pay for school <laughs> as a returning all American my senior year. Wow. Wow. <laughs> yeah. So but uh,
1: at least you didn't get kicked out of school. I bet you walked a fine line there, man.
0: Oh, uh, an incredible fine line. It, yeah. A lot of things happened. Uh, the the a dorm director had pulled me into a, a yeah. private uh, disciplinary meeting. I mean, there's yeah. there's some guys who just hated athletes. You know, It's just yeah. Yeah. and I was one of, yeah. and I made it known that I didn't like them either. So I, I was not exactly <laughs> easy. You know. Yeah.
1: Oh, uh, yeah. you you were, yeah, and I know you, you 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 probably in high school you were a little crazier than you were. A little bit older because he oh, did, I, did, did have a lot of sense there. I I, made I, up- I tell you what, John. When I when I was a freshman, you know you know, you know who Henry Iba is, right? One of the greatest basketball coaches of all time, and Henry P. the coach Olympic team, coach, you know, all 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 the big stars, won won several Olympics, and Oklahoma State basketball coach and uh, athletic director. My brother Jack, I followed my brother Jack into school, and Jack was one of those guys that. He was probably like a lot of your buddies out there. He he was he was a leader of the pack, and he got in trouble, 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 so much trouble is unbelievable. So when I walk in, man, everybody's warning about Henry Ivey. He, he, if you get called by Henry Ivey, you're in trouble. If Henry Ivey knows your name; you're in trouble. If he knows who you are by sight, you're in trouble. So we're walking down the old Gallagher Hall, and you got to go right past the basketball coaches and everything. So. I'm walking past a couple of buddies. We're headed down to the, to the to the weight room to work out. All of a sudden, I hear this,
0: Briscoe!
1: When I, I Comes from basketball office, I look around, it's Henry P. Iba standing there. He gave me one of those. I'll come in there, I gotta talk to you a second. You go on kid, go on kid, whoever I was walking with. He took me in there and he didn't he picked take me in his office. He just pulled me in a little bit of the secretary's office. Mrs. Avery closed the door. He said, I want to tell you something, Briscoe." He said, if you called me the trouble that your brother did, you won't last too much here. I (laughs) put up with him because he was an outstanding athlete. Either you better be an outstanding athlete or you better have the cleanest damn nose you ever had in your life. (laughs) Yes, sir, Mr. So you got heat
0: over your brother.
1: Yeah, I got him from my brother, man. <laughs> so I had to walk the line because I'm, every time he see me, I'm looking at you, boy. <laughs> and well, I
0: you remember Tex Cobb, the fighter? Yeah, Rand- the- Rand- Randall
1: Tex Cobb, yeah.
0: Yeah, Randall Tex Cobb was of the toughest men that ever walked on this planet. Yeah. So yeah. Cobb went to Abilene Christian. He's from Abilene. Uh-huh. And he got kicked out of school. People in the dorm director, the athletic director always goes, he's the modern day Tex Cobb, talking about me, of course. Yeah. <laughs> a but Tex Cobb got kicked out because he had two dorms, uh, maybe and Morris, I think were the names of them, and Edwards. No, yeah. Edwards and Morris. I, I can't remember some of those names, but they faced each other. Uh. He was shooting arrows, compound boats. From one dorm through the windows of the other. No. <laughs> and he's telling this story on David Letterman. It's one of the funniest things you've ever heard. Cobb's a hilarious guy. Uh, uh, and he says, Letterman goes, Well, aren't you scared he might have killed somebody? He goes, No, no, no. That's why I lit him on fire so they'd see him coming. So he's playing <laughs> arrows. arrows. I love
1: it. I thought Jack was bad. He was out on out, the out old, uh, old field there in the football stadium. He was shooting uh, arrows uh, over the top of the stadium, into the parking lot. And there was some coach there, they caught one. And the coach <laughs> said, All right, they're They found they, somebody ran a jack off that is Briscoe, and that, that was one of his visits to Iowa. <laughs> so, a lot of crazy damn people back there. So, you were like one of five children, right? Uh, six, yeah. yeah. Six, well, uh, four, well, four, there... four, four boys and two girls, yeah. Did the other boys?
0: Uh, play athletics, wrestling. Uh, my
1: oldest brother, Gene, man, he was, he was, he was, he kind of set the standard. He was, he was one of the big uh, two-three sport high school athletes. He uh, and got a basketball scholarship to Murray State, and and played, played, I think, uh, played, played in playoff one year. But uh, yeah, he was all state at a uh, Legs High School. That's where we went to. My other Oklahoma, just right outside Seminole. So sort of like Sweetwater, you know, uh, we have a population about two or three hundred there. So when the when the when the when the Briscoes left, the, uh, left Bolegs, the population went down It dropped off. The population, about they also said the IQ level went up a lot too. <laughs> 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 We're jacking out there, but yeah, I, my brother Gene, he was, he was all state football player, all state basketball player, in place at several track and field uh, events. I had a brother Bill that. Uh, famous down here for the body shop. Bill, my brother Gene was a couple of years older than him. When Gene left, Bill kind of was, you know, idolized my older brother. Uh, and so Gene went out to California. My brother dropped out of school and, and uh, out of high school and, and didn't go to college, but he joined the Marines out there. And they and it had an all service team and he was actually made first team all all marine all service uh, uh, all, uh, all the services combined. And through that, he got a he got a crowd with the San Francisco 49ers. Of course, he lasted about two days, and he was gone. But <laughs> he didn't take it seriously, but yeah, he was a great athlete. Both both of my both of my sisters they they were they were just students, you know. <laughs> yeah. And then, so did so your he, brothers
0: never want to get into professional wrestling?
1: No, no, Bill kind of did, and we kind of teased Bill about it. But Bill, 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 when he's in Marines, he got hurt quite a bit in the Marines and uh, and playing all service football there, and he was he was kind of banged up his knees and everything. But he, Bill was Bill, was actually a little bit bigger than Jack. So uh, neither neither Jack and I were big. My brother James you know, being a big basketball player. He's six three, you know, he's a, he just celebrated his 86th birthday so yeah really really, really had, had, a, had a pretty good health and he's the only, the only brother i got left of course both of my sisters are, are, are still with us and so we, uh yeah we, we I, I come from a pretty good athletic family yes
0: so when your brother broke into the business uh how soon before he smartened you up uh well
1: uh, a while a while i mean and i was fortunate every, every, I will say a while I, he smarted me up. I mean, John, we've been wrestling I just, since I was six years old, you know, I, and I knew Danny Hodge, and I, you know, and I, I knew what kind of animal Danny was, uh, you know, in, in college and high school because we grew up so close together, or our towns were so close together. As you know, through experiencing Danny Hodge, and you're telling you he's part of the, that area too, <laughs> and, so, and so, but uh, but what what was your question? Oh, uh, how, how long? How long? So, yeah. you know, I we, we I kind of knew that it wasn't for real, but I didn't know all the you know the 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 parts like that and how they were able to dance in a ring so damn smooth together. You know yeah. how they were able to to do all that stuff together and to catch each other. I, that was a, that was an amazing part to me. These guys, how the the, the athletic part of it really amazed me. I, you know, as an athlete, you kind of know something going on. But, you know, as an athlete also, you just sit there, holy cow, these guys are tremendous at what they do. So that aspect of the business really, really what, what caught me. the just the athletic ability of it. But, uh, yeah, at my after Jack's first year, you know, you, they didn't keep you in a training center for four or five years. You know, yeah, they was like four or five workouts for Jack. Jack won the national championship in March. April, he was on TV in Oklahoma City having his first wrestling match with, uh, with Ronnie Garvin. and to still Ronnie was I uh, will get into it there. So uh, uh, Jack, that first year, he, he, you know, during summertime, I was looking for a job. He talked to Leroy McGurk, and he, he, I talked to Leroy and let me drive the ring truck. So I started being around these guys, you know, daily during the summertime, you know, and, and learning. And that's kind of how I marked into my first match. You know, I had, had no formal training or anything. But setting up the ring, you know, old-timer to come out, you know, old um, Sputnik Monroe or Fred Phillips or one of those guys running it. Hey, kid, you're wrestling college. Show me this, and I'll show you something of what we do. So i get in the ring. I'd show them, you know, a little bit of college, and they'd show me a little bit. So I, I'd had bits and pieces of, of, of the business, you know, all summer long tucked in tucked in my, my brain there, but. Uh Well, several years down the line, I was off from spring break or off from some holiday, and I I went on a road trip with Jack, and we were down in Fort Smith, Arkansas. I'll never forget. And I, Danny Hodge, got cut open. I mean, he was bleeding from from asshole to elbow, as they say. And, and so we were Jack and I was walking from the from the arena back to the hotel, and I said, "Man, that was a wild man. That's the first time I'd seen." A lot of blood, live. I sitting there on TV, and so like I, I, I couldn't believe Nanny was bleeding. I, Jack, how do they bleed? like that he 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 kind of looked around, you know. Like I'm not supposed to tell you this. He said, "Well, promise you won't tell anybody." This is my brother. <laughs> <laughs> I said, they Don't tell me, tell now. I know them. He said, "They cut. They cut each. other. What do you mean they cut each? other? they cut themselves?" He said, "That's what he went in and he told me how they made a blade." Uh, and I said, holy shit, <laughs> and I was scared to death <laughs> when I found that out. So that's basically how I got smart up. And like I said, I got smart enough by these guys showing me stuff in the you know, ring during the summertime.
0: And your first match, they just kind of put you in, right? Yeah, first match at Gorgeous George Jr.
1: Right? They were up in... Somewhere in Missouri, Joplin or Springfield. Oh,
0: I just uh, put that story I for our website out on the uh, gorgeous George Jr. getting arrested down in Warrens. Oh yeah, yeah
1: well, what a great story! But Joe, what a great guy. We painted George's Cadillac turquoise. Yeah, you know, like you know, like like the flower, like like George George Senior yeah. had, you know. And we also painted Dutchy Road the evil Knievel white Cadillac with the stars and stripes on it, you know, back in the day. So anyway, I was making a road trip with Jack. We're going up to Missouri. And so we got up there and uh, they scheduled wrestle uh Tom Renesso and, and uh, Jody Jody Hamilton. And I think Patrick, Pat, Pat, uh, uh Junior, or, uh, Patrick, Nick Patrick told the story too, uh, on, on our podcast, but, uh, they, they, you know, they, they were some of the guys that would come out and show me some stuff. So George got hurt, and, uh, and a promoter of Bob Clay. He, uh, well, uh, you know, uh, George is hurt. We we got nobody for the tag team. Jack looks like you'll have to work a single match. And they had just started a program with Jack, and George, and they wanted to continue. And uh, Jody said, how about the kid there? He he can go. And Jack looks to me like, you know, you're not telling me something. <laughs> know." And uh, uh, you know, uh, Tom said, "Yeah, we saw him stuff all all time in the ring. He, uh, he could handle a tag match as long as we don't let him do anything fancy or anything out of the ordinary." So uh, Jack pulled out a pair of tights and I borrowed a pair of shoes and I went in. I, 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 back in those days, they only had like six or eight guys on a card, <clears throat> so you had to do what they call a warm-up match. Part of the tag team would go out first match and work like 10 or 15-minute match. They said, we'll take him out on his warm-up match and we'll see exactly what he can do in the match. And they came over to me. I as Jody, kid, don't you do a damn thing unless I tell you to. I'm scared to death of these guys, man. They were the most fearsome tag team in Oklahoma in history. Dude. I was scared to death of them. So I wasn't going to do nothing. Man. So I went out there. We, we, we walked around a little bit, got yeah. our 10 minutes in. And it seemed to go well. We'll come back in. They were really happy with it. So then we went out (coughs) and did a two out of three fall match out there. That's when Jody Hamilton, and I'm sweating like crazy. And you know, the blade, i tell you. So so I'm there, and so I had that long hippie hair. I was in college, and so Jody pulled the hair back. He said, don't move, kid. I'm going to gig you. And I'm, what? I knew what that was, but I don't know. So I felt like he read. He went across like that, and I was sweating. And, man, I'm starting to slap my head, slap my head, throwing around. They're all three laughing their ass off at me. <laughs> he just took his fingernail and, you know, went across my forehead like that. That felt like a razor blade in the heat and everything. And I threw the sweat. I thought, it was, man, I got up. I was, I was looking for that blood. I was, holy shit, but they didn't do it. <laughs> <laughs> but that's, that's basically how I started in the business then.
0: One time we we're uh, Stone Cold hit the ring and he hit me with a chair really hard and uh, I rolled out of the ring and I, I I put my hand in and it had of got into some of Gangrel's blood that he spit. <laughs> yeah. so, anyway, so anyway, I rolled out of the ring and I've got my hand on my. You head. know how gross that sounds?
1: <laughs> how dumb that sounds? Yeah.
0: So and I I, I kind of had my hand on my head and I look and it's covered in blood, but it was the blood that Gangrel had you know spit out the fake blood. Uh, yeah. So I turn, you know, I squeezed to get it coming because I thought, man, I'm busted wide open. I want to get this on camera. So I turn to Ron. I go, "Juice coming?" Well, he goes, "Huh?" Uh-huh. So I get to the back. Nobody said a word to me. I'm mad because I, you know, I, I let it sweat. I think I'm, yeah. and then plus the blood on my hand. And I get, uh-huh. I get back there and look at the mirror. There's no blood to ever. <laughs> wow, wow.
1: Well, you you you, you kind of got in the business the same way I did, right? Just by accident or. or- Oh or yeah, not, not in the business. Not in the business, but your first match is kind of like my
0: first right match. With, we're going to have Rod Price on hopefully sometime soon. I, I come down from Brad Reingans and come down to Dallas and uh, go to the Sportatorium Friday afternoon. Knock on the door, and James Beard answers. Dick Murdoch <laughs> and Scandor Akbar were in the office, and James says, "Can I help you?" I said, "Yeah, I want a job." And he <laughs> said, "Well, are you a wrestler?" I said, "Well, not really. I've been trained." <laughs> And he goes, who trained you? I said, Brad Riggins. He goes, really? And he goes, Brad? And I said, yeah, just came down from Minnesota. He goes, what'd you do before? I said, well, I'll play a little pro football. So he goes, well, come in the office. So I went in the office and met Murdoch and Akbar and the guys and Lou Perez, who was Al Perez's working cousin had couldn't make the show from travel or something like that. He was in the main event with Rod Price for the title. And so <laughs> they didn't have a match. So Murdoch says to Agbar says, let's put the kid in there as a surprise. And Agbar said, he's never worked. <laughs> and Murdoch goes, Brad Ryan's trained him. <laughs> so, <laughs> he says, if he's not any good, we'll go two minutes. If it's, if he's good, go 20 and we got something. If not, doesn't matter. We'll try. <laughs> so I I'm expecting just to go out there and, get a job, do a job. I don't know. I have no, I don't know anything about the, anything about the business. I don't know. I don't know nothing. So I go out there with Rod Price and James Beard's referee and Rod takes me 20 minutes. in, in the first night in my, in the business, wow. in the sportatorium main event. Wow. Yeah, it's so and it's all loud. Out. Back, yeah. Back to yeah, back, back <laughs> the roof, back to the Raptors. I come back. And Kendall Nagasaki was there, uh, Sakurada. <laughs> this is amazing. He, oh, and he says he didn't see me work. He didn't know that I couldn't work. He didn't know literally that was literally that was my first match. He just knows I'm in the main event. I played pro football and I was trained by Brad Rangin. I'm in the main event at Sportatorium. So he comes. He goes, uh, "You come Japan?" I go, "Yeah, sure." And so <laughs> I'm booked to go to Japan. Two months. I, I've been in business thirty minutes total. <laughs> I've been the main event of sports. And already got a damn job. And I've and I've already got a tour to Japan. Wow! So when I get to Japan, thank God James Beard was one of the main bookers there for Kendo. He and Kendo were good friends. You know James, really competent guy. Good, good, good. Yeah,
1: guy. yeah, a sharp guy, great guy, sharp,
0: sharp, sharp guy. Yeah, and then
1: he's starting to move to the call. The call That's around. right.
0: Yeah, yeah, a really, really good man. I loved, I love James. And so I get over there and James and Bob Orton are really helping me out. Bob tagging with Bob Orton Jr. the WrestleMania main event for WrestleMania one. And so Bob asked me one day, he goes, you know, kid, some of the stuff you do is good. Some of it makes no sense. How long have you been working? And I said, uh, two months, sir. And he goes, no, 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 not how long you've been in Japan. How long you been working? And I said, two months, sir. He goes, the hell are you doing here? <laughs> <laughs> I, said, I don't know. So Bob would take me to the mats before the matches and show me you know sugars and hooks. He'd show me how they're blowing me up, show me how they're taking advantage <laughs> of me because I didn't know any of that. You know, yeah. I just knew kind of moves. And That's
1: stuff. something you got to learn unless you got a better like Bob. That's right. Except and Bob,
0: it. I was tagging with Bob and Bob, you know, he was such a good dude, right. uh such a just a wonderful man and that he would take me and show me all this stuff and show me how not to blow up, show me how to make it till the end of the match, show me what they're doing to me, show me a few sugars and hooks and how to get out of them and stuff like that cuz you know they, what they would do is as you know these these good amateur Japanese wrestlers would just kind of, you know, ride me for a while and blow me up. Yeah, and blow you up. You know, <laughs> no sense in fight me right off the bat. Then they then, then you're not so big, right? <laughs> and then you're not so big. So, yeah, that was my uh, first experience. I'll tell you how I got booked in uh, Germany. I had sent Otto Vaught's pictures, videos, all this stuff. Otto didn't look at one of them. When I got there, I figured he looked at my videos. He's sitting there, and Larry Cameron uh, had died in the ring, you know, as we talked with Tony St. Clair, against Tony St. Clair, the tour before in Bremen. And uh, apparently there was something kind of suspicious about Larry's activity. I don't don't know. Uh, none of the Americans came back, so they needed a whole uh, new American crew. Right. And so Otto was signing all these guys he didn't know. He's sitting there, and Jimmy Suzuki, you know Jimmy, the yeah. Japanese reporter, that, you know worked right. a lot in the states as well. Right. He, yeah. He's sitting there uh, in Otto's office, and Otto's down to his last spot. And he goes, "Oh, I know Johnny. Johnny's a good boy." And <laughs> Otto goes, "Okay, I take him." That's how I got hired. <laughs> wow. <laughs> I was over there two years. <laughs> wow, you spent two years over
1: that. It had to be such an experience. I know we've talked about this before, but I find it so interesting how how you can work you know all those spots of that same you know same town over and over and over again.
0: You know the, the cool part was the, the hardcore fans would get uh, tickets, season tickets. Yeah. So like when we're in uh, Hanover, we'd wrestle for uh, fifty six straight days, eight weeks basically, roughly you know give or take a few days, and those guys would come to the, every single match, every single night. So they'd come for two straight months because that was their year deal. They'd, they'd get season tickets and they'd come for the whole year. And so every match had to be different. Every match, you know, we had spots, had to change orders, you know. And I learned a really important lesson. I remember we we're out there on a Wednesday. Wednesday was our worst night. We had, like, on the weekends, we'd have uh, crazy nights. I don't know what we, I remember what we called them, but you could, like, challenge a guy during the tournament. I want to challenge you to a cage match. I want to challenge you to a street fight. So you'd have the outside of the tournament matches on the weekends. So it was a guy's challenge and it wasn't the fan's challenge. <laughs> that's right. That's right. Yeah. And, you know, it was all, you know, a work part of the show, yeah. but that's how you'd end up with crazy matches on the weekends or our yeah. championship matches that, you know, guys would come in from overseas to wrestle the champion, Fran Schumann or Luke Poirier, Rambo, or, or, or I think family may have been one of the, one of your, he was champion on off during that time. Uh, so was St. Clair. Uh, and then they had Dom and Talk ladies night. So you'd have the weekends would be packed. Mondays would be packed, but Wednesdays was terrible. I mean, terrible. And I remember that Finley pulled me aside one day. He goes, today's the most important day to work because there's not a crowd there. There's no going to be no reaction He goes, but those are your hardcore fans. And if we lose them, we lose our base. He said, so Wednesdays is always important. And those guys would go out there and they would, I mean, they would bust their ass for four or five rounds on Wednesdays. I mean, they, those were real professionals. The guys that were over there for the Europeans, the English, the Irish, yeah, exactly. they were, they were real top pros.
1: You had to have great camaraderie too, living in, a, in that caravan type thing. I oh yeah. It
0: was, it was tremendous. It was, I mean, guys would tell you if, if, we could make enough money over there to, you know, make it worthwhile to work there forever. Guys would have worked there forever. It was that much fun.
2: Yeah.
0: You know, guys would sit around, they'd drink some beers at night or they'd cook together and you know, it was, it was, just, it was fun. It was a good, fun experience with good, fun guys. And guys that, you know, guys that didn't fit in wouldn't stay long.
1: Yeah. yeah. <laughs> what was your what was the average, I'd uh, like to hear over there for you.
0: Uh, seven months was the whole tour. Seven or eight months was the whole tour. Start in June, end up in December, and we'd start in Austria, then work uh Germany at the end of it. Uh, you know, guys would come over for a month or two. Remember, I remember Anvil Nighthart came over. He was not booked for any longer. He came over about four or six weeks or something like that one time when we're in Bremen. Glenn Jacobs came over. Um, uh, the first year I was there, I believe it was came over for I think Bremen. Uh, we were we were a tag team uh when he came over to this five meter tag team. And was was
1: this tied in any to the to the UK wrestling to the wrestling in England with the with the organizations there with, no with I think the, they modeled it a completely different uh, I think they thing. worked
0: with the Oreg out of Wells. Yeah. But I don't think it was there was no So the
1: Johnny Saints and the guys like that, they did they, they ever pass through there or what?
0: Yeah, they did. I mean that was this was I don't know if it's most prestigious tour, but guys really wanted to be on it. Yeah, you know, to get to get Saint Clair from England, that was a big deal. Yeah, you know, to get a guy that that big a star from England, I mean, that was a big deal to come over there, and because the money was consistent and the money was good. Yeah, and was, the referee was,
1: was a guy like Regal on, on those tour, yeah,
0: he wasn't on any of the ones with me. He'd already gone to WCW. Huh. Okay. But yeah, yeah, he was there. I mean, the, nearly any top English wrestler had worked in germany at some point or another
1: so tell tell me this how did, how did you how did you your next stop i think was wwe how did how did that
0: connection and how did you how did you how did you get to make <laughs> so i've got to ask bruce pritchard for, <laughs> for sure but literally i get a notice i can't remember who i've asked bruce who it was he thought it was maybe uh not Nightheart. i can't remember who owen maybe i can't remember somebody told me one day this is going to sound crazy said go down to pay phone we're in brayman go down to the pay phone
1: at two they're, o- they're telling you or telling bruce
0: to, uh telling me so okay. go down to the pay phone on sunday at two o'clock uh wb's calling you sound like a pickup or something like that <laughs> oh my goodness so i at two o'clock I'm sitting there thinking, this is a rib. Would well, you believe it? Okay, go ahead. This this has got to be a rib. But I I got at least go. You know, even even if it's a rib, I yeah, had nothing, you go. I, had, I had nothing else to do. Uh-huh. <laughs> I thought maybe the rib be funny. I you know, I assumed it was a rib. So I go. To, it makes a it makes the story better. But it was true. It was raining. It was cold rain. <laughs> and you know, I had you know, obviously nobody knew that was going to. But I walked down there with an umbrella. It's cold rain. I'm standing there at this payphone by myself at two o'clock on Sunday afternoon. And I'm thinking I, I'm the dumbest human being on the planet. And I know the boys are watching me somewhere. I I just know that something's going to happen, but it's actually, you know, you know how you are in a territory. They don't care if the ribs on you. You just kind of want to see what it is. Cause I thought this this is going to be funny. Something's going to happen. happen. I don't know what it is. The phone rings and I thought, you've got to be kidding me. (laughs) I answered. I said, hello. And it was Bruce Pritchard. He goes, John, Bruce Pritchard, WWE, WWF the time. And I'm like, there's no way. There's no way. I don't know where he got the payphone number. I don't know. I, I got to ask him. I've asked him before. He doesn't remember. He thinks it was old and he didn't remember where he gets the payphone number, but it's him and Pat. They'd seen my videos or something. They said, we want you to come uh, through uh, Bethlehem, Pennsylvania, Philadelphia, actually Philadelphia, the pay-per-view and have a tryout match and i said well i've been contacted by wcw they said well, we want you to come here first and i said okay i'll fly directly in and so i got my flight back there and they were going to fly me i think home from there i'm going to atlanta i can't remember how it was but i was flying there and wwe was taking care of my you travel You
1: going to atlanta from
0: there yeah i was going to atlanta so i'm i'm, I'm paying for the flights i think i'm paying for the flights so I said, okay so uh anyway, i finally I finally agreed and I finally realized it really was Bruce Pritchard, who I had no idea that, uh, you know <laughs> did I, you I know Bruce? Was. I knew who he was, obviously from brother love, but you know I did you know no idea of WWE <laughs> uh-huh. <laughs> any anything because you know, I didn't read the dirt sheets and you know we didn't nobody had him over there, so uh-huh. I, I didn't keep up with anything you know it was hard to and and so but then I had to decide whether I was going to tell Otto because he'd put me over and I think three of the tournaments and I felt terrible because I, I loved it.
1: You, did you have a break at that time or were you? A
0: tour for two, no, no. Or... I was working every night. So I worked that night. that true. Tour, tour
1: wasn't finished up. Okay. No, no,
0: I still had two or three weeks. And so I, I pulled uh, Finley aside and I said, Dave, I need to talk to you. And uh, Dave said, WWE called you, didn't they? <laughs> <And> <laughs> I don't know how he knew. I guess he'd had that conversation with Americans before. And I said, yeah, I said, I want to do the right thing. I don't want to screw – Otto's been so good to me. I don't want to screw him. And he goes, well, just go tell him. And so I went there and told him, and I said, Otto, I don't have a deal, but uh, I think I'm not coming back. And I said, I want you to know that in case that changes the finish of the last night because they were going to have me in the in the championship match of the last night. And I, I certainly didn't want to go over. Uh, I don't know if that was a plan or not. I was worked with Ice Train is who it was, Harold Hope. And they put Harold over, which was great. Harold was very popular over there. Very, very good, very good guy and very, very popular over there. So, but anyway, I I did talk to Otto about it. Said, hey, look, I'm not coming back. So, uh, just to make sure that you're not, you don't feel like I'm screwing you out of this. Good, good. So, yeah, you,
1: uh, you, had, you had an offer to go to WCW at the same time. How how did that take place,
0: too? You didn't I go to the
1: phone, both there, did you?
0: I think it was DDP that had reached out to me, I believe. I believe that's who it was. It was not Bischoff. It was not – this was, you know, before all this stuff with Bischoff, I think became just the main guy. I think it was DDP that's saying, that hey, if you come here, this is what they'll give you, and this is what they'll do. And so I, I had this deal, and uh, I guess Dusty was down there then. And so that was the deal that I had down there, but I really wanted to go to WWE. So I had WWE come to first, but I didn't know if they had signed me or not. And so that's when I came down and met you. Yeah, cool. The rest is history, as they say.
1: You know, during, during your time with WWE, I got to answer this question because he's a dear, dear friend of, of both of ours. We have a good time on Florida, Florida State nights when, when 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 they're playing a football game with we do a threesome with, with, the, with the great Ron Simmons there. How, how did, how did your friendship with Ron develop? And because there's such a, a long, trusting, loving friendship and to the still of this day, you guys think I'll have each other. Just it, it's, it's unbelievable to see. Yeah. And know, unusual in our business.
0: I think people that are, you know, the same interest kind of just attract, um, I, I guess is how it is. You know, Ron and I both loved football you know, he was a lot more successful than I ever was, much more, uh, not even a different, you know, different stratosphere. But we both love football. We both played football. And so we both kind of had the same background. And we both kind of liked the same thing. So we, we had traveled together uh, a couple years, maybe before we ever became tag team partners. I think that's why they ended up putting us together. And believe it or not, I mean, they didn't have anything for Ron or me. I mean, I say believe it or not.
1: Well, you were basically in Japan thinking your career was basically over with WWE, right? And oh, absolutely. Yeah. After,
0: after the the Montreal Screwjob, Barry Windham and I were going to Japan like two days later. We flew from uh, Canada. And my whole reason to go over there, and Barry knew that, was to get a job with Baba. And Barry wanted to be the liaison, I believe, I will not want to speak for him, between Baba and WWE, which is what Jim Ross also kind of wanted Barry to be um you know for whatever reason it didn't work out but then when everything changed with uh, after the Montreal screw job they started signing guys to contracts my contract was up by the time I got back and that's when they had uh, decided they wanted to sign me which I didn't think they were going to when I went over there when I went over there I didn't think WWE would sign me but every everything changed uh, after Brett left the wcw and all of a sudden now they got realize they got to sign guys to guaranteed contracts that's when the guaranteed contracts came in so by january the, everything had changed and they decided they wanted to sign me to uh, a, a five-year contract is what it was at the time right which awesome. is the first guaranteed contract i'd ever had
1: yeah that's awesome so you, you you and ron how long how long i can't remember exactly how long did that run uh, last and what what was you I mean you guys did so many iconic things but what was your your favorite thing This is a question from my son Joe. What was your favorite favorite moment with Ron Simmons and APA?
0: We had so much fun with Rebecca Romaine. Remember, you know the beautiful actress. Yeah. So she was promoting something with uh, Chris Klein and LL Cool J, and she had to down a beer, a full beer, uh, for the part of the scene. And so we told her said Rebecca we'll we'll get you uh you know a, a water and put it in the beer can. She goes, no no I'm fine. Well, we had to do this scene like four or five times. She literally downed almost a six pack of beer, guzzled them. She, yeah. she was fine. She was, it was just all awesome. kept up with you guys. Huh? That's right. She was just the nicest lady. It was was nice yeah. as she could be. You know, beautiful as you know, all get out, but just nice as she could be. That was so much fun working with LL Cool J and and Rebecca Romay at the time. Then we got to work with Mr. T. T was fun. You know, he didn't want to see anything played back. You know, we did we do the scene and, and you don't see it back. Nope, nope, never watch it back. Never watch it back. And, you know, he was fine. Uh, one of the guys I worked with that was the best was was uh, Kevin Hart. Uh, Kevin Hart was, he was out of this world. He sat down with me, and uh, this is for commentary, and uh, he was b- beyond polite and respectful. And he goes, hey, tell me about the storyline so I can keep up with it. He was, I mean, he was like the professional, like they used to say about, uh, uh, here's your sign, uh, who's the, uh, uh, all the, the comedians from the South. Um, anyway, they always say he's a typical businessman until he gets out there, comedian, all of a sudden he becomes this country guy. Yeah. Kevin Hart was uh, the guy that was, you know, like this real business guy. Then all of a sudden the camera comes on and he becomes this outlandish character. It was amazing to watch because he he did he took all these notes nice as he could be. As soon as the camera goes on, he is one hundred percent performer, and he was awesome to work with. Wow,
1: you know, yeah, that that's a great thing about WWE too. We get to work with a lot of different celebrities from many multiple fields out there. You know, and did, did you find a respect uh, from these people? pretty equal to what respect that you guys gave back. Uh, was there anybody that ever kind of just stepped out of the line? There was,
0: there was a guy one time, I can't remember who it was. He told me he, I tried to help him on commentary and he goes, I hosted SNL. <laughs> I just remember thinking, what a dick. And, yeah. and I didn't feed him anything that helped him. <laughs> I just remember sitting there saying, I'm, yeah. I, I didn't do anything to sabotage him. I just yeah. didn't help him. You know, it was, <laughs> he was the only one. I can't remember who it was, right. I would tell it. I can't remember. Yeah. Uh, Who it was, Jeff Foxworthy was that comedian. Oh, yeah, Jeff Foxworthy. um, Arnold was the nicest. Arnold came in. I I remember when Arnold came in.
1: Oh, Arnold, I loved Arnold. Every time I was
0: was around it, probably a half dozen times. I've never, never been seen him. There's not a bigger fan of Arnold than me. And he was the hottest celebrity in the world at the time. I mean, the world, he was on fire. And he came in, I remember he had his kids with him. And we're at the staples center and he's asking people as like a polite, humble person that nobody knows, can can I get a picture with you? <laughs> You're freaking Arnold Schwarzenegger. Oh, yeah. and it, just, it was so cool to see a guy yeah. that is that successful, that was that humble. I mean, wow. he's just the nicest guy. And I told him, by the way, I, I, I saw him backstage, and I don't speak hardly any German anymore, but I told him in <laughs> German, I worked uh, for Otto Vance, who was his childhood buddy. And I lived in your hometown of Graz, Austria. And he lit up like a little kid, you know, wow. that, <laughs> that, uh, you know, I'd worked for Otto and, and, and lived in his hometown. So they, they, they grew up in the same city together where
1: they, yeah. they were, they were lifelong friends too, right? Yep.
0: Otto was a, a, a boxer and Arnold was a bodybuilder. And wow. Otto used to talk about Arnold all the time.
1: Wow. John, man, been a great story. We've had a, a great hour and a half here, man,
0: just to be asking about I didn't questions. get to ask you as many questions as I wanted. Well, you got one more then.
1: All right, we'll go one more.
0: So, I, I'm,
1: I'm tired of your old Texas stories, man. You know, <laughs> I, 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 now, I did ask you a Dickie Murdoch story because I know you go to an old standby story about puking across the Texas state line there.
0: <laughs> well, I was going to ask you about the Buzz Sawyer thing, not the Buzz Sawyer pr- thing, but the, the Ole Anderson bounty.
1: <laughs> you know that that, that I, I laugh now about it, and I, I laughed when I was told about it I mean, really, you know, yeah, uh, it was a, you know, Jack and I had some battles with the Road Warrior, but we had so much respect for each other, you know, and they. They they could have their size and you know, they could have mop, mopped mopped the, the floor with us any time, but we thought we had equalizer in our in our wrestling, uh skill level to to compete. But so we we got along really well, just had that respect for each other, trusted each other, and let each uh, each team do things that we would not other uh, other teams do with us, and vice versa. They let us take them down, ride them. They, they put our stuff over, we put their stuff over. So we developed that friendship, you know, like like you know, you, you develop. And so we made to sell, and Jack and I were businessmen, plus we own part of the territory. So we fulfilled our bookings in Georgia, you know, up until our, our, our bookings were out. So uh Buzz, Buzz are our are our, our, anyway, uh uh Florida. which one is he? Joe, Joe, Joe. animal. Joe, 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 Joe. Joe Called called us to the back behind it. We're at the old Cleveland Auditorium. I don't know if you've been in there, but it's an auditorium with curtains and everything. Three levels of curtains. So we went back behind the back curtains there, and he said, "Guys," he said, "I got to tell you something." He said, "Only is offered." Everybody on the wall, money. If, if they hurt you guys before you guys leave here, we just kind of shook our head. He said they offered us five grand. We told him, "We'll stick it up his ass." We ain't taking it. We like you guys too much, but we just want to let you know it didn't come from us. But let you know that nobody out there had, had said anything, but one guy, Buzz Sorry, said he, he, he tried. We we're booked with Buzz the last night as, as, as it happened. You know. And we'd work with Buzz since Buzz was, was was starting in the business. He would already knew you know. <laughs> I oh if that's if that's the best he could buy for five grand, we're we're going home safe. <laughs> so so yeah, that's kind of like it like it happened there. So you know, last night comes, you know, bell rings. We're we're cautious and we're I mean we we don't change our style. Eh? We're out there just wrestling, doing what we're so known and trusting your opponents until they show otherwise that we shouldn't trust them. And not one time during that match and buzz to cry anything or get stiff or anything else. So if animal was kind of just throwing his name out there to kind of develop the beat for that last match, I don't know. But nothing ever happened of it. So, you know, so we walked out of there on all of our limbs, with all of our limbs intact.
0: <laughs> <laughs> did, have you ever run into Ole Anderson sense or anything Oh Uh, yeah,
1: I I tell you what, John. You know when I when I turned seventy-five, I came to one of these uh, epiphanies. You like me saying that word epiphanies, man. uh, uh, In life, you know, no more hate, man. No more, you know, no more, no more animosity. I don't, I don't care what happened, you know. I love everybody, man. I'm one of those old people now, you know. So I was at an autograph signing deal, and thanks for asking this question because I never told this joke. We're, we're in Charlotte, North Carolina, in Charlotte, North Carolina, one of these autograph things. And, I, and, I, and I, I told my wife before I went, I, I said, if I see Ole Anderson, I'm going to go up and talk to him. I'm going to offer my hand, shake his hand, and, and tell him one thing about Ole Anderson. Ole was one of those guys, and you've had him When you get in a ring with them, they work so damn hard that they bring your level of work up a little bit. And that was one of Oli's main assets that he had when he got, he, he, he never took a night off. He worked his ass off every night. So I really appreciated being in the ring with Oli and Gene Anderson too. Gene was the same way. That's where I know that's where Oli got it from. But they made you better workers after you stepped out of the ring with him. And and brother, if you're a professional and you like to work, you love our business, you appreciate guys like that. So I had that to think to him. You know, a lot of the other business deals, I loved Ole as a competitor in the ring, but I couldn't stand him as a business partner out of the ring. So I saw him in Charlotte, North Carolina. Kind of funny, all these men standing around, they know the heat that supposedly there is Oli and the and, and briscoe. So they see me walking over there, so a path kind of clears. Oli's in a wheelchair, and that that makes it even even more more special. me to get it out of my head, you know. So he's leaning over the wheelchair. Uh, he, he and I walk in. I, I, I said, Gerald Briscoe because he's he's old, and you know he's only he's, you know old. And so he, he, and I don't have the hair. I'm back when Oli remember I have <laughs> no, you're not. I say, yeah, only I said only I want to tell you one thing. And he kinda of now leading off his praying when I told him I was going to tell him one thing I was going to take a sacrifice. I said, I really appreciate being in the ring with you, Holy. You made me a better worker and I'll always remember that. Thank you very much. Shook his head, turned around and walked off, you know. <laughs> and felt and felt good about it. <laughs> Whether great. he did or not, I I did. So like I said, you know,
0: the hell with it. <laughs> That's great. Hey, I know we're about to go. I got one quick story. You, you you got to deal with Owen, and he had to deal with them from the office level. So you had probably had tons of headaches from Owen because he. Ooh, Owen. <laughs> so we're in Poughkeepsie. Africa everywhere, man.
1: That didn't matter. Oh,
0: we're in Poughkeepsie one time, and Owen and uh, Owen is, remember they had the curtain there, and he had little holes in the curtain where guys would look through the curtain you know, on stage. And uh, so. Brett uh and I think Taker were at the next pay-per-view, the main event, and they're both kind of standing by the curtain and kind of looking through the things. Owen grabs the curtain and pulls the whole thing back and the entire <laughs> arena can see the entire roster standing together. Taker <laughs> by
1: Brett. <laughs> uh, what 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 a great what a great thrill a privilege we had traveling the world with Owen Hart
0: oh it was unbelievable it was, it was so much it was so much fun and owen is one of those guys that you know yeah. you never got mad at him you're just like oh yeah that- you could yeah you That's could I, I
1: i i've told you the story where he screwed up my whole african safari camera on the photograph collection <laughs> and i i still this day get mad about it but when i get mad about it i think hell it was Owen one heart you know yeah and i got a smile on my face you know but uh, yeah, it, it, we it, we That's what our business was so fortunate to travel the world number one like we did. But with a group of guys that you grew to love and respect, and you, you they you know you know yourself, John. All those tour that they're the hardest damn thing and and this business you can do because you're away from home. You're you're with them, You don't see anybody that you know other than who you're working with. You know, it, it, it's, it, you're stuck you're, for weeks and weeks and hours and hours upon time. But, man, you just grow to respect and love I love everybody on the tour so much. We, we were just so fortunate to have a group of guys that we got to travel around with during those times.
0: Yeah, it was a wonderful well, whole thing. Was wonderful, you know. It's just, it was just fun, you know. I'm glad we didn't have social media, not because of you know, <laughs> being exposed, but I mean, we didn't have anything else to do but but entertain each other. So we had. Oh, we did that, you. man. <laughs> yeah, we did that. Well, Mr. Briscoe, we just had the two best guests of all time on our show.
1: Yeah, I think the the, the best subject content we've ever had on this show. And that's, <laughs> that's right. Uh, it was us. That, that's saying a lot because we've had a lot of great guests on our show. You had tuned in. Come on, guys, get get with the program. Hey, uh, and go Briscoe on our YouTube Brats channel
0: up. and check out the playlist. A lot of these, most of these guys that we've had on here, we also have all their matches underneath it and all kinds of stuff. You can just go down a rabbit hole and have a lot of fun on our we'll YouTube. We'll have
1: Jack and uh, Bobba's. Uh, John, Bobba's on there when when Jack dropped the title. Probably. Oh, that's right.
0: I'll I'll make sure it's on there under Briscoe yeah. Brothers. Yeah, yeah, cool. Uh, thanks a lot, John. It was fun. Have a great one. Happy New Year to you. Happy New Year.